Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 708. Tomorrow I leave, he said, with both his hands still on the lute. I could only guess at his mood. Where? To Hart, to Shaheen. Are those cities? Hart is. Shaheen is my teacher. I had given some thought to what might be the matter. Are you in trouble for teaching me? He set the lute back in the case and pressed the lid back in place. Perhaps, yes. Is it forbidden? It is most forbidden, he said. Tempe stood and began the kitan. I followed him, and both of us were quiet for a while. How much trouble? I asked eventually. Most trouble, he said. I heard an uncharacteristic shred of emotion in his voice. Anxiety. It was perhaps unwise. Together we moved as slowly as the setting sun. I thought of what the Cathay had said. The one shred of potential useful information it had let slip in our conversation. You laughed at fairies until you saw one. Small wonder all your civilized neighbors dismissed the Chandrian as well. You'd have to leave your precious corners far behind before you found someone who might take you seriously. You wouldn't have a hope until you made it to the Stormwall. Valerian had said the Cathay only spoke the truth. Could I accompany you? I asked. Accompany? Tempe asked, his hands moving in a graceful circle intended to break the long bones of the arm. Travel with. Follow. To heart. Yes. Would it help your trouble? Yes. I will come. I thank you. And that's the page and the chapter. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. It, it occurs to me that the thing that happens when I try and read the name of that city is I just end up saying the word heart, but with like a slightly like more the way my like aunts and uncles talk accent. Like I, I, I read it with like a small town Ontario accent. Instead of saying oh, heart, yeah, I, I say heart. Yeah. Instead of saying heart. I say heart. Right. Well, that, that's probably <laughs> correct, actually, Jordan. That's probably more correct than heart. Yeah, heart is what I would say. I don't and know, man. Sh- yeah. And Shaheen. Yeah, Shaheen is how I say it. Yeah. I choose to believe that uh, when they cast the movie, the Adam will speak like small town Ontarians. <laughs> <laughs> Going out for a that rip makes here them a way less graceful. Like, no offense to small town Ontario, but it's not a graceful <laughs> accent. Yeah, we uh, we already did a lengthy riff on Letterkenny, a show that none of us really watch enough to be able to riff on it. But uh, I do think it'd be funny if they went out for a rip to the sword tree. You know, mm. <laughs> Rothfuss has created a wonderful device with the the way that uh, the ADM speak. Because he, it allows him to be so understated and say so much with so little. Like, you know, uh, are you in trouble for teaching me? Perhaps. Yes. <laughs> is it forbidden? It is most forbidden. It's like the worst thing I could possibly have done. 
Tempe is so understated that like every bad thing he says just seems so very dire to me. It also it it's a bit of a comedy act, right? Like it's it's a very like serious thing for them, but at the same time it's sort of funny for us. Like like the way that they're communicating it is funny. Yeah, and like it's it's like kind of a gallows humor. Like is it bad? Oh, it's as it's as bad as it could possibly be for me, honestly. It's like the worst. Yeah, which is funny, but it's like it's the way that he is able to express it, right? Like mm-hmm. he probably doesn't have the language to express yeah. that. So it's this in this kind of broken yeah, he like doesn't have the word for taboo. He doesn't have the word for like mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, cultural genocide or whatever. <laughs> and of course, here's a little opportunity for Quoth to be reminded about what the Cathay said. Here's mm. where I can tag along and get to the Stormwall. He doesn't pretend it was his idea, which uh, I I think I remembered it that way when we were in the Cathay chapter. But Quoth does say, oh, the Cathay suggested I should go to the Stormwall, and now I'm going to go there. He doesn't yet know that the Cathay is a disastrous omen. So mm-hmm. he really does have no reason to think twice about this. No, he, he just goes, Yo, here's my opportunity. Only spoke the truth. Yeah. That's what Florian told him. That's right. And you know what? Whether, like, Quoth, obviously he has a secondary objective here, but I do think that his primary objective is... I got Tempe in a bunch of trouble and I didn't mean to, so I need to get him out of it. Yeah, I don't know that that's his yes. primary objective, but I, it is yeah. unobjective that he feels strongly yeah. about. I think that's the secondary objective. I think this is a uh, an opportunity to get to the Stormwall Mountains with a guide so that he can pursue. Uh, I, I I do think it's uncharitable to think of Quoth as uh, so mercenary with his friendships i think that the helping tempe is the side quest and the main quest is uh going to the Stormwall to look for the chandria i mean i guess this just fundamentally speaks to our different interpretations of this character i suppose so because here's the thing i think if he had not spoken to the cathay he would still go oh i think he you would still what? go too yeah. but that doesn't make it like not his like okay sure he would still go and i think had he not spoken to the cathay then helping tempe would be his primary objective but i think that he values like kind of his his personal shit more so i think i think that he would go either way you're right but i still think his primary objective is more personal than his his want to help Tempe. Does that make sense? I I don't agree with you, but it makes sense. Yes. Okay. That's fine. Where, where do you stand on this, Nick? I'm on the fence. No way. Get off my fence. That's my property. I love this picket sticking up into my butthole. It's, it's, I never said it was a picket fence. (laughs) <laughs> that's clearly how nick and i have both been picturing it yeah it's not though yeah. <laughs> so what is so it's then it's not it's a fence, my it's fence. A wall. okay it's not no okay <laughs> you have definitely seen a not picket fence between like backyards well they need to have posts and stuff yeah that doesn't mean that the posts are pointy they look some part of this tops. fence is going into my chalky starfish so you pick that's i mean why <laughs> 
you know, you get your kicks somehow. Yeah, we don't make the rules, Jordana. The fence is not for kicks. The fence is professional lack of decision. <laughs> okay? <laughs> don't act like you don't get a kick out of not making decisions. <laughs> it, is, it is not a place of pleasure. It is a place of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a place of honor. No esteemed deeds are commemorated here. What is found here is is repulsive and dangerous to us. Jordana, do you have any other notes on this page? Only that it is the end of a chapter and that this chapter was called Quick. Uh, I think that it might have been called that because this is sort of like a quick turnaround from like, oh yeah, we're hanging out at the Penny's Worth to being like, okay, now we're now we're going somewhere else. I think it's called quick because that's the burn she lays on him. Oh. And I think both of those are true. Disgusting. (laughs) We have a letter today from Bill. Bill Who writes, Denna and is the moon. Denna and slash is the moon. All of this talk from Felurian describing the moon and how it moves between the worlds has me thinking of Denna again. I know there's a lot of moonish qualities about Denna, but I've always struggled with thinking that Denna is actually the moon rather than just moon-like. How can she be so focused on her small daily life and also be the moon? Like the moon dated Ambrose, really? But something about Felurian referring to the moon as her struck me. What if Denna is the moon in the same way that Lilu Dallas Multipass is the fifth element? She's simultaneously a supreme being of the universe, but also has to eat crappy future food and not get killed by an unhinged Gary Oldman. Likewise, Denna still has to find her way through the world as she can during the times when she's not pulled to and fro. Maybe this is how everyone else has always seen the Denna equals the moon thing, but it was a new thought for me. All that's good, signed Bill. Um, I would like to state that that is how I view the moon thing, and this was an incredible comparison to put into words. Yes, and I, I strongly agree. This is kind of how I viewed it, but it's also how I kind of view the Chandrian. It's how I view a lot of the like great, powerful figures in this story, like I fully expect that the Chandrian have to scrape by with their lives, even though they're undying monsters from myth. Like, I think that the Chandrian have to like pay rent and like secure shelter. I don't think that they sit on iron thrones on clouds and plot around a great big table, like Olympus. I think that the Chandrian have to like root through the forest, like Cinder with his bandits uh, day by day. And so, I, and that's why Davy is now a um, a front runner for me for uh, for a potential Chandrian figure because she's definitely like someone who is hustling, but also is very well connected and clearly has like a plan and some goals. But that's neither here nor there. My point is, uh, I definitely can see Denna being the moon in this way. She is simultaneously the moon and like, or like the avatar of the moon, and also has to like make enough coin to eat every week yes well i i love this read for you (laughs) i think they live in a castle made of candy personally wait what the chandrian they live in a castle made of candy yeah but why because both read about it in a book yeah well you shouldn't believe everything you read (laughs) yes you should and listeners, we'll believe everything we read on tomorrow's page. Uh, the Wind. Wind.